You're listening to a Galactic Network podcast. The Podcast of Terror is a show with adult themes, run by adults, for adults. Please do not have your children listen to this show. It might be beneficial to them in the long run, but please, please wait until they are older. This is one of those things. It's like when you laugh when you're playing bingo and and 069 comes up and you have a chuckle and your mom, your kitty says, uh, uh, Mommy, Mommy, why, why are you laughing at 069? And the mommy says, uh, when you're older. It's one of those kinds of things. Mommy, Mommy, can I listen to Podcast of Terror? Sure. When you're older. This is a show with adult themes and some childish behavior. A lot of dick jokes. Uh, so please, please, please. Uh, if you want to avoid the swearing, if you want to avoid spoilers for your favorite horror movies, and if you want to avoid really, really lame, petty dick jokes, do not listen to this show. It is not for you. Corey, how often do you wear a shirt? Not as often as you would think. Yeah, it's always nice to cover up your nipples, and maybe your neighbors are complaining because they're hairy. I know you they, like they, wear, you wear shirts when it, we do these shows. That's about it, from what I understand. It's more that I just give off a glare that blinds drivers by. It is hot in California, so I assume that you sweat. There's a there's a slight sheen to you, and the California sun just. Pshh, I don't even sheen. I estevez. <laughs> that that is, if you do not want to estevez in public, we have two places in which you can go. We got two coupon codes to make your life a little cheaper. Uh, you can go visit a uh, frequent guest and friend of the show, Matt Vincent. His his website thehate.com. That's the hviii.com use the coupon code hbg15 for 50 percent off your order maybe you hate him i don't know he's he's kind of a likable guy but if you hate him and you want to go spend your money somewhere else we got this other place go to statusfearmerch.com uh, another uh, sponsor of the show friend of the show he does all our artwork he's a really nice guy he does all the, the art for my band except for the stuff that Corey's wife draws head over to statusfearmerch.com use the coupon code terror get you a little nice discount there Welcome to episode 105 of the Podcast of Dare, a production of the Galactic Network. I'm your host, Matt Stein. With me, as always, is Corey... I don't know. It's called Masturbating Scott. It's called... <laughs> hey, man, you said it, not me. Um, I did. But thank you for saying it. Uh, and like, likewise, I'm doing this for myself, too, so that's fine. Boom, boom, psh, had a rim shot there. Uh, our guest this week is a returning guest. He's one of the owners of Hate Brand Goods, uh, owner of Throw Bros, which I like that name. Real... Real bro name there, bro. Uh, he's one of the hosts of Camo and Hooks. And he's a fucking author now. Mike Beach. What? What's up, guys? Thanks for having me back. Much appreciated. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Start at the top. Everyone everyone who listens to this podcast knows it's eight brain goats. If you don't, get woke. Uh, why don't you get out of here. Get Talk about your podcast <laughs> and your, your book now, which I'm guessing is some sort of uh, deep intellectual manual on physics i prefer tre- treatise i prefer treatise <laughs> good Quiet um, yeah l- l- yes yeah. <laughs> real quick here the keyboard clacking <laughs> um so yeah look man everybody knows that everybody that listens to your podcast knows the story on hate brand goods and we appreciate all the love you guys show us we appreciate um we're you know we're glad to be associated with you guys it's a point of pride for us and uh hate brand goods we are actually gearing up this week um, to, to release <laughs> the lies we are releasing something that we have uh in a friendly way called the ghost line it's uh, a lot of like uh same color on same color stuff that's like kind of a 
redesigns of stuff we've been doing. So we're really, really stoked about that. It's uh, t-shirts and hoodies. It is hoodie weather in some parts of the country. Apparently where you live, the temperature is below 80. It's 40 so we have... So we have heard that some people enjoy a hoodie. Matt and I live in uh, Austin, Texas and Baton Rouge, respectively. So, you know, we wear hoodies for Instagram and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's like two weeks in the year where we legitimately like I could use something a little thicker on my arms. So, yeah, we're we're really stoked about that stuff. Along with that, like you mentioned, the uh, one of the things that we're dropping at the hate dot com is uh, my book, my book. I love saying that. Um, this is actually, <laughs> it's M apostrophe book from now. My book. <laughs> uh, so this, the, the book is called Heavy Light. Uh, it's the it, Heavy Light, a periodized throwing for the Highland Games. So that's a lot of uh, weightlifting and throwing nerd stuff in there. Basically what it is, it's a way, if you're getting into the Highland Games, it's kind of a technical manual for you to, what the hell do I do with all these weird events all the time? How do I do this all year? If you're new, intermediate, or trying to be a pro at it like Matt, um, the guide. This is the way that I've dealt with coaching athletes. This is kind of a compendium. Oh man, treatise and compendium. Fucking killing it. Um, so uh, it's more of a compendium of what I've done with 40 or 50 athletes over a couple of years to train them to bring them to the Highland Games. So that's what's going on there. Uh, Throw Bros is a gear and supply company for Highland Games and throwing athletes. Uh, it's kind of steadily expanding into more and more stuff. So check that out at throwbros.com. And what else? Cam on Hooks podcast. Yeah, um, that is kind of a side project with a buddy of mine because I've recently gotten into hunting and fishing. And if you don't put it on the internet, it didn't happen, right? So I have to find a way to document that I am somehow learning to hunt and fish. So it's kind of a fun time. We're both pretty much rookies at it. And we go through all of our stupid mess ups and let our audience just just beat us to shit about all the stuff we're doing wrong. So, yeah, that's me in a nutshell. So thanks for having me, guys. Um, just we, I just checked the clock. We're, we're, we're out of time for me yeah, talking about myself. So. Dead, so we're <laughs> working with a compressed timeline, and Mike took it all up. We're not even going to get to talk about the movie. Sorry, guys. There's only so many, so many uh, gigabytes of memory that this podcast can take. <laughs> so and, uh, I, I used them up. I thought it was funny that you mentioned that uh, your your listeners like tell you what you do wrong, and I never yeah. thought about that because there are probably a shit ton of people who know more about fishing and hunting than you. Uh, My mom. Fuck yeah. Yeah, Corey's mom. Like all of them. An avid <laughs> baiter. She likes to bait, bait the yep. animals. Um, so would, would you say that she is a master baiter? Would you say that she's a master? She is a master uh, at baiting. Thanks. She's more of a sensei. That up for that's me. Fine. Yeah. Uh, but so I guess we kind of lucked out because reviewing horror movies is very—it's um, a big gray area. So no one can really tell us what we're doing is wrong, but they do it anyways. They do. So, right. Thanks, internet. <laughs> hey, you know what you did wrong by giving your opinion? <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, I thought this was fucking America. <laughs> I went to Catholic school. That is actually something that literally happens there all the goddamn time. <laughs> and, and they're like, okay, so tell us your opinions about this passage from the Bible. I'm like, I think this is pure shit. You're wrong. You're always wrong. Why are you at this school? Because my mom pays tuition. Ten, ten Hail Marys. Yep. <laughs> ten Hail Marys, and then everyone will forgive you. Yeah. Now, um, you know, one of the things that we do on the show, which uh, I enjoy, is we do a, a reverse Q&A where we 
like usually, you know, the Q and A is where you put it out to the, the, you let the audience ask you questions. We did a whole podcast where we asked a series of questions and we got the answers back from the people listening. And we actually, we haven't done, we've, it's the first one and we haven't, it just reminds me, that's probably what we'll record this next week. We haven't recorded the answers back yet. And it's fantastic. Like I, uh, I, I almost wish people were more abusive for entertainment value. People, everybody is very nice and cordial, but I wish they were more abusive. I wish they were calling us cunts the entire time. It would have been great. Do you want me to? If you if you want to shoot an email over, just call me a cunt. What's, what's the email be, address? Uh, <laughs> Camo and hooks at gmail.com. I, I do want to point out that my favorite sexual position is reviews, reverse Q&A. <laughs> um, <laughs> now, are you the Q or are you the A in that position? It, sometimes it just depends. When I would need something a little bit thicker on my arms, that's what I see my wife. And so... <laughs> <laughs> callback joke. You guys do callback jokes? I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't know yeah, callback joke. That's all this podcast is, is one big callback joke. You're good. I'm going to keep um, meticulous notes. Fucking meticulous, too. Look at me. God That's damn it. That's the first word I've known. So thanks. When you <laughs> when you were talking about it, you had a book coming out. I thought it was going to be your secretary's tell-all about you. That's what I was waiting for. He has a secretary? <laughs> God. Do people, can, can people have secretaries still? Is that still a thing? Uh, yeah, people can still have secretaries. I think the ones who have secretaries are just dumb and don't know how to like, use what they have available. Right. Or maybe they're really smart and they don't want to do anything. Yeah. Well, you hire people to do the things so you can you can put yourself into the stuff that is more valuable as far as your time. You you hire out. The secretaries are incredibly uh, wonderful people to have work with you. I don't know if it, they're called secretaries anymore, but back in my day. Ad- administrative uh, assistant. Yeah. Back in Harvey Weinstein's day, uh, you, <laughs> you had a secretary. Uh, literally. <laughs> But no, it, it's that's exactly it. You get to a point in your business, you always hire people to to fill the needs so that you can concentrate on the stuff that you are, is your most focus should be planning on. So, yeah, like reverse Q and A. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, oh, wow. <laughs> Jenny, can you come in here and tell me if I'm supposed to be the Q or the A in this? I got nothing. <laughs> there's got to be a there's got to be a, a treatise or a compendium somewhere that'll show come you. Come on. Come on! I really have to Google these words now. Come. And... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's C U M. What the fuck was I listening for? I was talking to some friends that uh, we got a 4K TV finally, and uh, I'm like, "What movies are good to watch in 4K?" And I said something about Transformers and pornography, and I'm like, "I bet there is a 4K hmm. Transformer pornography out there," and there is. Oh, oh God. God! Yep. What? Is what is it? What does that call Rule Thirty Four or something like that on the internet? Where if like you can imagine it, it's or if you say it out loud, yeah, a porn is either made about it or it is currently being made. They're making yep. a Rick and Morty porn <laughs> par- parody. Oh, they have. It, it's existed for a while. Uh, Dan Herman's talked about I, it. I've Dick and Morty. You pervert. That that, that thing exists <laughs> at all. Um, I thought um, some big uh, porn company was just starting to. Or they're they're releasing it or. It's called Dick and Morty, and I don't know. The the, the internet is a deep, it's a dark sh- hole, like a vagina. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody's in it, yep. like your vagina. Uh, yes. Hey. Uh, for those listening, a compendium is a collection of concise but detailed information about a particular subject, especially <laughs> in a book or other publication. I fucking nailed it, because that's what my book is, 100%. Yeah. And it is... We'll find out. There are dozens of people worldwide that care about Highland Games Compendium, so 
I mean, next time you guys talk to me, it might be from my boat. I, yes, I hope so. I hope you're on a fucking yacht in the middle of the ocean the next time we do this. Mm-hmm. International waters. So, so no rules out there. What you're doing to your secretary will never come out. That's right. You can just you can flat out murder people in international waters. It's true. For why I got he did it, didn't he? I got kind of yeah, uh, no, no. assumed uh, accused of killing my wife on Friday. But I, 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 I you should probably tell. Okay, Corey. Hey, for, first, first <laughs> question. Um, did you? <laughs> people are still waiting it's, for proof. Of how life. does that? How's that a point for contention? Hey, did you kill your wife? Yeah, so I went to a movie on Friday. I went to see the new Thor, and I get a call from my wife, who's in Michigan. She was out there on a trip, and she's like, hey, so is everything okay? And I'm like, yeah, I think so. Why? What's up? And she says, well, I just got some really weird texts from the neighbors across the street saying that you left the house, and all of a sudden, these cops showed up and started banging on the door and said there was some sort of domestic disturbance, and now they don't know what to think. Nice. And so, yeah, so the cops were all like, yeah, there there was some disturbance here. We're coming to check out. And they're like, well, we just saw Corey leave. We didn't see Aaron at all. Okay, now we're a little weirded out. <laughs> we have no idea. Okay, you know what? Here's what you need to take away from this, Corey, and this might be a troublesome thing for you, is that Something about you, man, made those people their first thought be that you killed. Their first thought was definitely to defend me. Their first, both neighbors come over to me and they're like, you know, we we said to the cops, hey, these people are pretty chill. We don't think there's anything wrong. But then the first thing you think is like, yeah, that guy's pretty chill. But where the fuck is his wife? Right. It's always the nice chill ones, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, it's just, it's weird that it wasn't that much of a jump for them to be like, yeah, maybe he murdered her. Maybe, maybe, you put out, maybe you put out a really murdery vibe. Have you ever considered Wyatt, that? Quiet keeps to himself. Always talks about how the pretty need to die first. It, it's just that's Corey's nature. That's who he is. Really, I, I also really just the horror about, movies. Yeah, I posted just recently that I had just snaked uh, our drain as well. I'm like, yeah, because you got to really work to get the body all the way down there, no matter how much. <laughs> they don't liquefy, no matter what people say. No, exactly. You pretty much yeah. should just eat it. <laughs> and today yeah. I'm making you know this uh, this podcast thing's permanent. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. I'm pretty sure I've talked. None about of this will hold up in court. None of you even really know my name, so that's fine. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Perfect. You do. If anyone wants to pay me, I'll write a tell-all, including Corey's real name. Oh, it is Corey has a nom de pod? Is that what I'm hearing? Come yes. on. A gnome de cast, I guess it would be. Uh, well, it's when a I, play when I on gnome de plume, Matt. Yeah, gnome de plume <laughs> is is the oh, villain you. of a comic book that I came up with when I was in fifth grade. So that I recognize where you're going. <laughs> that is so great. <laughs> did you ever get? Did you guys ever do the thing when you were young? Like you would have like um you you know like you would draw like imaginary comic book characters, or superheroes, stuff like that. Did you ever have a time? Like, did you ever come up with one? And then just forget about it. And then you'd see it see a decade later in a real comic book or a real piece of media, somebody did it. Have yep. you ever had that happen before? Like oh, I yeah. swear to I came up with one called Superman. Yeah, I've talked to tons of people. <laughs> oh man. Just missed the mark on that one. Man. I've been re- yeah. I've been reading a lot of Nietzsche. <laughs> 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 I did <laughs> uh, I, 
I think I did it like two times. I think wasn't there there was a Marvel comic guy named like Black Hawk or something like that, and he was like, or Nighthawk, Nighthawk, Nighthawk you know? yeah. and uh, I legitimately had come. I like came up with almost the exact same character, the same name, and then another time I used to play pretend professional wrestling on my trampoline. Uh, I was you know weird kid, and uh, I this was last week in my right. mind. Yeah, no, this, this was 2007, guys. A uh, long time ago. Uh, and I had, I imagined that Hulk Hogan and Brutus the Barber Beefcake became a tag team. And I thought that'd be awesome if they became a tag team. And then, like a month later, they became a tag team because oh, Roger Man Randy Savage had gone heel. I was like, I, I'm telling you, I might have some sort of talent for this. It's a good thing I don't bet sports because I'd be like Biff. <laughs> you mean a rapist? Oh. Uh, yes. <laughs> oh. How quickly I said yes, by the way. I'm here uh, proving I'm accusing Corey of having a murdery vibe, and I'm immediately copping the rape. Hey, I respect <laughs> yeah. my victims, okay? No means no until the stabbing is done. Yes, exactly. You're you're a gentleman and a scholar, and also a murderer. Yeah. Are we, are we done <laughs> implicating each other of weird <laughs> crimes that may or may not you're, come back to haunt us? You're coming. You're coming. Podcasts are all right now. That's why I'm quiet. <laughs> you don't need to know what's in my closet. Although the guys in my band have started calling me it? Weinstein because I give off a weird, creepy rape vibe. Oh no, no. And no. my last name's mm. Stein. Yeah, a little. You're you're far closer also to it, Spacey. <sighs> but well, okay, okay. It's the beard, the hair, being fat, and because my last name is Stein. That's true. That's how I, I yeah. get the name Harvey. <laughs> It's like four strikes right there. And also, I, I rape a lot of women. <laughs> also, also I, also, I jack off in potted plants. Never Immaterial, I feel like. But... We are so going to get great reviews from this. Well, iTunes is just going to be like, I don't even want them anymore. Just fuck <laughs> these guys. We're going to get voted yeah, off the just, iTunes island. Yeah, we've, never, we've never dropped a podcast before, but you guys, you're special. <laughs> you're special. <laughs> yeah, well... Yeah. This next week's guest, Milo Yannanopoulos. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we should probably let our guest in the, in the coming weeks know that we may not have a show anymore because we may get kicked off the internet. That'd be impressive. Get kicked off the internet. I mean, look, man, Google Play will take anybody. You guys are good. <laughs> we are a star for content. Oh maybe, boy, maybe Microsoft will start a podcasting app and then it'll <laughs> take a shot. That'll be the haven. Get all twenty-six of those listeners. Well, that's 19 more than we have currently. Hmm. Yeah, it only works on Zoom, guys. <laughs> Do those, can you still buy a Zoom? You cannot. You can still buy used ones, but there are no new ones as of like a few years ago. They cut the Zoom. But never put it past Microsoft because they announced recently that they completely stopped support for the the Windows phone systems. And then there's a brand new Windows phone that's out. And it's like, what the fuck? What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, they're bad. Have you ever used a Windows phone? No. Oh, it's either like uh, my buddy of mine had one and like I, I would it's mess you, around with it. it. I, I had an old one in like 2004 or something like that when like there was like PDA phones. And, like, oh, those just, I had. Yeah, it's just like they're either really bad or it's just are sad. Like there was a pretty good window, like an era of Windows phone, like the Windows 8 era like they had decent ones and then like but you would you would use it and be like it's just like this is sad like it's like a good phone but like not quite as much stuff to do it's like good job like best bronze metal finisher ever but like it was just sad my old windows 6.5 phone with the slide out keyboard 
Oh, that is boss right there. The that physical, is fantastic. The, the three inch screen uh, diagonal. Yep. I had the one that was like it was like this. It was like it was like an ice cream sandwich thick, and it had a stylus. Yep. Oh yeah, these have styluses. And it, has, it still had the flip up. Yeah, styli. Styli. <laughs> That's good that we gave the the first impersonation of it because then Matt doesn't have to look it up. I hate yeah. you guys so much right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had one of the phones that would slide two ways, so you could slide it up to get the keyboard. Oh so, yeah. Yeah. That um, those are called like a kick or something like that. It wasn't the kick. Called. It was some like the sidekick. No, the sidekick was the one that like spun open. Spun open, yeah. Oh, that's right, open. yeah. It had like suicide doors, but it was a cell phone. Yeah, that that was when <laughs> Twitter on the on the map. It was everybody had the sidekick. It was the Ashton Kutcher Paris Hilton phone. Mm. That's right. So it makes your tits real veiny. Right. Remember when they were still alive, Ashton Kutcher and Paris Hilton. What the fuck? I'm not convinced they're not the same person. Does it, it didn't. Well, Ashton got shit because he didn't he like support someone who is being his name's been brought out in the recent rape allegation. Mila Kunis. Did I miss? Was something? it? I'm kidding. Oh. Uh, no, uh, I think <laughs> Danny Masterson from that '70s show is, is in uh, some some shit. Well, he's a fucking Scientologist. That guy's a, a certified nut <laughs> job. And isn't isn't everybody implicated in sexual harassment right now? Isn't like it, everybody's yeah. got at least one count right now? Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. I thought he's, he's, he's like he's he's um, voiced support for someone that was being pointed the finger at and uh, pissed about it. Um. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. I mean, it's the it's not, fucked up. Th- there's nothing that we're going to be able to say on on this or probably any podcast that's going to make a lot of. Uh, headway on this conversation uh we we'll 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 talk shit we'll joke around but this obviously sucks oh, yeah. <laughs> this is yeah. not a great time no, uh to, no. to have a realization that a lot of people that you've grown up liking uh are are dirty awful people yeah look man power does weird things man like uh, that's i think that's a lot of what you're seeing in the hollywood dynamic is that power just I mean, there's obviously there's the, you know, ab- absolute power corrupts absolutely. And I think there's Harvey Weinstein's like the poster child, right? Mm-hmm. The the clear, the clear picture that, you know, the amount of power and influence that he had create really, and, really and, bad situations for a lot of people. And exerted. Yeah. And exactly. With zero consequence. Yeah. Zero consequence. And I think the Hollywood power dynamic is one that, I mean, it's weird because of the, Hollywood and the film industry in general, entertainment is a, is a fundamentally silly thing. It's a fundamentally silly thing. It's play pretend as an industry. And we all know that. So I think that's why it's going to take longer for those things to kind of trickle out. Like for somebody saying like I was legitimately like harassed and intimidated and it could have cost me my job. Like it's going to take longer for that to take in a silly – and what's fundamentally a silly industry is something that we use for entertainment and that we don't really see the real side of. Like it literally the whole idea of Hollywood and entertainment industry is to put – out a product that's a face of all the people that are in it. Like, you know, there's literally like, you're constantly watching a production piece and they don't want you to see the inner workings. And, but for that, like, for that fundamentally kind of silly industry to, for the, again, for people to say like that, you know, those, that many negative experiences were happening behind closed doors. Yeah. It's going to take longer because we're kind of almost ingrained to believe in that idea that, like it's almost like a trope that idea that the actress that'll do whatever it takes 
or you know the skeezy producer that will take advantage like we've almost like there's almost like a tacit acceptance of that and it's that been now the it's of, just so in our face yeah it's been the theme of movies for years it's been the theme of of i think a whole segment of porn is that Correct. you know um casting couch it, it was the theme yeah, of yeah. a poison music video in the 80s it was the fallen angel video it, it's or that's right or turn the page by metallica it's like all these things we've known it forever it's not it's not surprising it's just it's surprising how many people just let it happen and and that's 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 it's not even like i'm pissed at harvey weinston of course because fuck that guy but i'm i'm probably even more pissed of all the people who are seemingly you know good people allies and everything else that just kind of like went yeah we knew that was going on the fuck you knew that was going on yeah <laughs> like you yeah, are but... equally powerful to this guy how could you let that continue to happen that is just insane to me and uh, you're exactly right and that's where a greed and power come into it man there's just there's a lot of greed and power that comes into that that people of equal standing or people men also in the industry like i, I don't want to lose my job or i don't want to yeah. lose my chance at this project and that's i mean that that's that's sick it's insane but uh, also, like if you, I guess if you want to find a positive spin, uh, the positive spin is that we're reaching a cultural nexus, a point where all these women, these actresses, young men, what, whoever it may be, you know, any of the victims, let's just say, any victim feels more enabled to come out and say something. Yeah. Like it sucks right now. And because you're seeing all the dirty laundry, like you're seeing everything laid bare. You're, and it makes it dirty and it's showing you how bad it's always been. But it's, it is a sign of progress that people can actually feel like they can say something now. That's, that's always the, like the whistleblower is always the thing that busts open an industry, right? And this is their version of a, of a whistleblower. This is their, this is their dirty secret. This is the thing that their industry, that the industry has been doing. The, the, you know, the film and movie industry has been doing for a long time. It wouldn't shock me if you start seeing it happen in the music industry too. You know how much fucking pay for play with sex and harassment there is in the music industry too? Oh yeah. I mean, it, yeah. I mean, I mean, Matt, you play in a band. How many times have you sucked dick to get a gig? You know, like it, it's just part of the deal. Uh, 14. 14 for, and that's, that's average. You know, you're lucky. Well, I don't have you to know, suck that's... a ton of dicks because I'm in a shitty band and we play in like dive bars. And um, also it's not right. always just for the gig. That's true. Sometimes I'll just right. suck a dick for fun. Well, it's like if you're already going, like you're already sucking one dick and another <laughs> dude just kind of comes into the room. He's like, Hey, what's going on? Like you just, yeah, yeah. Come on over. It's a dick sucking party. Like, yeah, it might not help you, but it's like, it's I don't want to be rude. Yeah, I've already like, uncorked well, the bottle and let it breathe. I just figure <laughs> rounds for everybody. Um, I do. I want to I want to make a correction of something Corey said, because if I don't, I feel like I may hear about it. Um, Bob Seger wrote Turn the Page. Yeah, I, but I was talking about it. the Metallica music video. Oh, I thought you were okay. And I just wanted to make don't sure. Don't me on Bob Seger. My uncle sang on think... Bob Seger's back in '76. I didn't album. know that. I didn't think you didn't know that. I just wanted to point out that we did know that, so someone doesn't yeah. be like, "You guys are dumb." No, absolutely. Like you're fucking dumb. Um, and hey, if if you're the guy that was gonna go comment about that, you're an asshole. <laughs> I completely. Whoever you are out there, is the internet. But we would appreciate the commentary, especially in the terms of an iTunes review. Uh, <laughs> you can <laughs> one star us and say these fuckers don't know anything about Bob Seger. It's probably true. It's true. Or you could leave a shitty review on uh, Camo and Hooks. Yeah. Call yeah. the co-host. That's really why. That's why it happened. You know, <laughs> um, something so about all this rape stuff. Uh, I think it's fucked up because 
one person comes forward, which is awesome, and then more come forward. But then there's always the people that are like, ooh, I want my 15 minutes of fame and will lie about it. Digging into yep. it. And I think that's fucked up too because now you have to like weed through who's telling the truth and who's lying. So you can figure but out you should always have out. to weed through who's telling the truth and who's lying. And the problem is, is that oftentimes when it's the one person who comes out, they're never taken seriously. And so there's no weeding. There's no investigating. Right. They're just like, oh, this person's just trying to, to cash in. And it's like, how many, what is the limit? What is the turnover of like, well, enough people have said it now that we should probably take it seriously. And and now we're we're seeing people lose their positions and lose their jobs. But it it's it's not like one person does it. And and if there is one person who's affected, then it should be taken seriously. It it's not automatically that person is is automatically telling the truth, but it should always be looked at as it's a definite possibility that could be true, and we should fucking do something and find out. And and maybe at the end we don't get a definitive answer, but it's it's not automatically believe the accuser, but it is automatically take the accuser and the accusation seriously. And too often that, like that has been not the case. I like that a lot, Corey. That's I've, I've always kind of struggled with that little turn there of like, how do you have an open discourse and how do you not turn away people that are potentially victims while still doing your due diligence? And I like that perspective. Take it seriously. It doesn't mean that you have to automatically believe, but right. take it seriously. Because if you take it seriously... Hopefully the truth will bear out. Yeah. Right. And and, and the court of public that's opinion is never going to get things right. That That's why we have a, a actual court process that we go through for the legalities of all this stuff to investigate and find these things out. And it sucks that there's I would certainly like to see a change in the law of uh, like a life of how long you're allowed to to take your accuser to court. If if you what's the statute of limitations on murder? Uh, I don't believe there is one, and there shouldn't be in in rape cases or physical abuse cases either. I, I, I think that if it happened, it happened, and we should investigate it. And it may be costly, and it may be hard to prove, but it's still, again, something that needs to be looked at. Because this is a person who is then going to go on and affect other people's lives if they just get to get away with it. You know, the, Who's the next person that gets taken advantage of? Who's the next person who gets hurt? Uh, I, I said something the other day. It's like, I would necessarily not necessarily give up on following somebody's film career and stuff like that because they've they've done something wrong and and then especially if they've done the time and everything but i wouldn't let them watch my kids you know <laughs> it's like I, I i would i would take the knowledge of yeah um you you do some cool stuff and everything but stay the fuck away from my wife and my family no <laughs> Yeah. I mean, look, I'm sure a lot of the guys that built the houses we live in probably had criminal records. You know, does that mean that they're not allowed to do their work? They're not allowed to work? No, it doesn't mean that. And I think any adult can separate the two. I think you should be able to. However, I'm also not going to be mad at somebody that wants to boycott a particular performer or somebody in a certain industry or somebody that does certain work because that particular crime is hits them hard or hits them close because yep. we're all grown-ups. We get, we get to choose what, we, what we're involved with. We get to, but it's just, I think most Grown-ups when they're not directly connected to the situation. Like, will I go see a Kevin Spacey movie again? Probably. Because that's his craft. That's what he does. And he's making a living whether we're there or not. And it's I, I can separate the two. But, yeah, like you said, like, am I going to let him hang out with my teenage son? No. Nah. So we, uh, myself and some other guys, including the guys in our band, have talked about this recently because uh, the band Decapitated is being accused of gang raping two girls. And Ooh. Yeah, which is fucked, and they're—I think they're—it was in California, Corey. So thanks. Um, 
And well, like, you know, we we kill the lead singer of uh, who's the Santa Maria guys. Uh, Bradley Noel. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it, so it's like, is it is it wrong to now listen to Decapitated because of that? Like the singer from As Lay Dying tried to hire someone at his gym to murder his wife. Is it bad to now listen to that band? Like it's like it's it's. Is it wrong to go watch Seven? Seven's one of my favorite movies because of what Kevin Spacey did. Is it, right. Can you still go back and enjoy what you enjoyed prior, knowing what you know now? That would be like That's, if if yeah. Beach was just like, "Ooh, fuck you guys, you cock-sucking homos," and gave us the Freedom Rockets and then fucking no out of here. Would I still buy fuck, all of your shirts? Fuck you guys, you cock-sucking faggots. <laughs> They're the double Freedom Rockets. But you know what I'm saying? Like, would I would I still be able to support your businesses? in the same fashion if you did something like that or if you tried to kill your wife or and that's look it's like degrees of closeness and like it's just like everything else there's shades of gray and there's degrees because if it's this is three of us and i tell you guys to fuck off and i you know insult your families of course you're not supporting my businesses or anything i do ever again because that's personally affected you and then but here's the interesting thing like the kevin space thing is easier to distance yourself from the harvey weinstein thing you can you can say like well it's not like i'm never going to watch a miramax movie again right but like then you get in these middle like it's like i'm not boycotting those entire things or whatever but then you get that middle ground like you talk about with decapitated that's not a huge <laughs> mega hit like this mega star band like that's not like a worldwide success band so that's one that like local or regional support is going to mean more and you're automatically closer fan wise to them you know, as I lay dying a little bit, they're they're a little on a like, bigger scale. But like these, that middle area gets interesting because your support, your dollars do mean more mm-hmm. per act in that way. So that, that that's weird to me. I don't have the answer. I just think it's an interesting observation that as it's just like anything else, as it gets closer to you, it matters more. Like your yeah, it, your choice you do with your dollars matters more. Mm-hmm. It's hard when when it's when it's one person in a in a film, then. By not supporting that person, you're also not supporting everybody else who made that film and and gets Correct. residuals from that film. Uh, if it's a whole band, that is a little bit more of a yeah. I I may not be giving them my money directly, and it may be still that there was the the producer and and the record company and everything else. But it's it's really is still sort of supporting this band and and that and and I'm not saying that they are guilty or not guilty, but I'm saying that in this situation that would be a thing like yeah okay that might be less of a problem for me but you're right matt you you've listened to them for a long time should you not be able to still enjoy the music that you grew up listening to it's like they just did a christmas special about michael jackson mm-hmm. <laughs> and and michael jackson never legally convicted of anything but we all have a lot of questions about michael jackson yeah. and yeah it, at that point in time it's like should we not have that should should we have stop supporting it. it's not even going to him anymore it's going to people who profit off right. of what he did um yeah. it's a weird kind of, of place but yeah do i would i want to watch the michael jackson christmas special probably not because it looked like shit i sat through the goddamn yeah, david pumpkins that. uh piece of crap and that was awful too whoa 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 um, whoa, whoa, whoa you take those terrible <laughs> words about shit. david pumpkins back did you watch the david pumpkins animated special yeah it wasn't that great it was awful. It was about it was 14 minutes too long, and it was literally one big callback joke. Beach would like it. Yeah. I do love a good callback joke. <laughs> uh, hey, Matt, if it makes you feel any better uh, about, the, about the band Decapitated, it's, I mean, remember that, I mean, 
Did you Google? Nine it? out of ten people love gang rape. Oh god damn. Um. I'll okay. Wait. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing. I got nothing. I also remember that Striper raised a village in India to the ground once, and so. <laughs> and God, god we that tried. is. So, um, no. <laughs> no, we went from gang, we went from gang rank to striper in yep. less than five is, seconds. This is, this Every is, chance I get. This is pretty good. Uh, pretty good show <laughs> so far. So now that we're we're over a half an hour in, um, <laughs> for more on this podcast, including show notes, contact information, <laughs> subscription links, go to gncast.com/pot. Uh, you can check out this on our Slack channel. Gncast sign up. I don't fucking whatever. Beach, I, we usually said it like within three minutes of starting. <laughs> The whole thing was the pitch to get people to sign up to subscribe. Yep. And then he just knocked it out of the park with a killer read. <laughs> just. Yeah, just stopped early. Didn't give a fuck. All right. Before this we get into the movie. has just been to get Matt back for getting rid of the new segment, which is the one thing which I really brought to the show. I, I, had, I, I had way more fun casual conversation about gang rape than talking about new, like forcing conversation about news. No, I agree. Yeah, and we Absolutely. still talked about the news. We talked about stuff in the news. We did. Boom. We did. Uh, so before we go get into our movie, we're gonna do our little uh, "What you drinking?" I, I'm sure Beach is drinking protein powder because he's a fucking meathead. Gross. Um, I am finished with a cup of Habit Coffee, which is the Hate Brain Goods oh, brand of coffee. I have. Because where do I air agree? I get it all. My ceramic cup. <laughs> oh. Oh, what happened? The fucking bottom broke right off. Oh man! Yeah, it sucks. Were you? Were you? Were you I was gang raping it, but you know. Yeah, I was gonna say. Oh, my it. next question. Yeah, I fucking poured it, poured a cup of coffee in it. I picked it up, and the bottom fell right out. Um, huh? Yeah. Have you micro? Have you been? Do you run? Have you put it in the dishwasher nope. a ton? Nope. I've literally used That's it three weird. times. Just email me. I'll get you another one, or text me. Why would you email me? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I, I already emailed your podcast about you being a cunt, but um, yeah, just yeah. please email my hunting podcast about all your issues. <laughs> and, leave it in uh, your iTunes review. Yeah, leave a one star review about that. And then I'm also just drinking water right now. Sorry, I'm boring, fellas. I'm uh, oh, I'm doing fine. a no boo. I'm doing no booze November right now. Oh, I think I stopped being That's drunk at like 10 a.m. It was a rough night. And I and we were just sitting around watching Stranger Things, and I just got shit hammered. It was you not... just got you just gotta ride the wave, man. You just keep you just gotta keep drinking. You can't you can't hit that wall. So I'm drinking. There bourbon. it is. <laughs> uh, one of our listeners, a f- actually a fan of your uh, shitty shit and a fan of our <laughs> shit, uh, our buddy Mason sent me a bottle of his Diablo. Oh, that's Shadow Mason. Bourbon. I was about to, I was about to ask, is that, is that subtle and distilling? Which one is it? Uh, Diablo Shadow, just the bourbon. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I figured yeah, I, would, I enjoyed I would that. One. He that. sent me a bottle. And the the uh, beers. Although I just have like ninety five bottles of beer. Uh, in my he basement. sent me a. Uh, a... <laughs> I'm gonna keep cutting you off. That's so all. Every time Getting you low. Start... Time, to... <laughs> time to go to run. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, I'm sorry. What were you trying to say? Know. No, I I tried that rye. They have a they have a rye whiskey too, and it was actually I like that better than the uh, Diablo Shadow. Even that was one of the better drinking ones that he sent. Really? Yeah, he gave me the option, and I'm like, I don't know. I don't drink a ton of bourbon or anything. I'm a strictly beer, so I, I just told him to send me whatever he preferred. So yeah, I'm not at all upset. It was super nice of him. 
Now I got to send no, a beer, but he wants yeah, he, all IPAs, and it's not IPA season here anymore. So it's not. Yeah, you're gonna get plenty of expired beer there, buddy. Yeah. Have fun. I'll find something for him. It's not like I don't have a couple bottles in my basement. I could probably uh, spare. Yeah, I was trying to get my hands on the uh, Tim and Eric wine, and uh, you could. Oh yes. Yeah the uh, the sweetberry wine you couldn't get it outside like you couldn't ship it outside of the state of California. So he was like, just ship it to my house and I'll ship it to you. And I'm like, why all this thirty dollar novelty bottle of wine is going to end up costing me seventy five dollars? I'm like, this isn't worth it. <laughs> so it arrives tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I only got one bottle. <laughs> I wasn't sure. Corey, Lipton iced tea, I assume. I'm I'm on the iced tea right now. I had a couple glasses of cranberry juice this morning because the wife just came back with. Uh, she's not sure if it's strep, but she got really sick in Michigan and had to go to urgent care. So I'm just like, let's vitamin C the fuck out of ourselves right now. Do you just like straight orange juice injections to the pee hole? Uh, as much as possible, uh, but only with extra pulp. Mm-hmm. You want to be All able right. to feel it. Well, you're. You're only constrained by your ambitions there, so keep it flowing. Yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right. Can't have pot, uh, beach on anymore. You're just out of control. <laughs> Let's talk about Young Frankenstein, which miraculously this is the first time I've ever seen this movie. Wow. Didn't hate wow. it one bit. I know. I know. I was more of like a Blazing Saddles kind of guy. And Same year. Sheriff is a near. Um, really good movie, though. I like I the dry humor and that I go or oh it's 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 peak Mel Brooks man like it's it's exactly so you're saying what Mel you Brooks doesn't Mel get Brooks any movie. better than Young Frankenstein I'm not going to argue with you I just I w- well I guess it depends on how you're ranking I would say Blazing Saddles um Young Frankenstein probably History of the World which are all very close in time I think those all represent a peak forgot about right. well they were all they were, um, I think Young those, Frankenstein those and Blazing Saddles, Saddles were both 1974. That's um, right. Yeah. And while Mel Brooks is considered the the writer of of both, uh, Gene Wilder co-wrote Young Frankenstein, or is listed as one of the co-writers on it. And Richard Pryor is one of the five writers listed on Blazing Saddles. What what really is the difference for me is as much as I love Young Frankenstein, and I absolutely do. Blazing Saddles was such a great commentary on racism. Yes. That, like, Young Frankenstein is just a really funny throwback tribute to old horror movies. Um, and Blazing Saddles is something else entirely. Yeah. Um, Blazing Saddles, to me, um, I, I think, and probably that Richard Pryor influence is what made it so good, is that there is, there is an overarching theme and there is a thread throughout it. Um, the one thing you'll see in Mel Brooks movies, um, and the 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 two the other two that I mentioned in that kind of peak conversation, um, really exemplify this: History of the World Part Two and um, Young Frankenstein, is that Mel Brooks is not particularly concerned with narrative thread and direction. He's not. It, it really is akin to a it's a series of scenes. Like it's almost like a, you you could literally almost make a, a sort of modern day comparison and say like the movie Anchorman. Same kind of thing. Like that's a loosely held together movie. It's like, and all three of those in a sense, they are, they're loosely held together. Everything. And I'm going to come back to this theme a lot. Everything is in service of the joke. 
everything is in service of the joke in those movies. Like everything is a setup for the, the whole goddamn movie of Young Frankenstein is a setup for a dick joke at the end. The whole movie it absolutely is is a setup for a dick joke. <laughs> like and that's and everything that he does in those movies, you see like, you know, he uses that classic style, that classic horror movie, the classic fades and the wipes and stuff like that to jump between scenes because that gives you a very convenient break where you don't have to narratively connect everything. And that that's not, a, that's not something that's lacking, that is a choice. And he does that so he can contain jokes and move throughout jokes. So you have the ability, just like Spaceballs, how, you know, in our generation, Spaceballs is, you remember Spaceball because of the jokes, the gags, and the segments, the quotabilities. That's what you're looking for in there. He's not looking to wow you with a surprise or a shock ending or a character development. That's not the point. This is a collection of scenes that are meant to do a joke. So the Blazing Saddles is unique and amazing and probably his best work has that overarching theme where it play it gives you the gags it's in service of the joke but there is a theme and there's something you can follow and there's something in the characters you can actually connect to and continue down the narrative thread with yep so yeah I, it, at it. I like that i like you Mike. and and it's funny because his humor is so it, it's so jokey uh, especially in this like there's a part when uh frankenstein has pulled up in the train and they do the Chattanooga Choo Choo lines uh, from the song when he's asking the kid, <laughs> is this Transylvania New Station? He's like, oh, track 29. Oh, can I give you a shine? <laughs> yep. like, God damn, really? That is so... I mean, it's it's probably was lame then, but it's like... See, I didn't catch it. Exactly. I, I did not know what... That, the yeah, that, and that so. doesn't bother Mel Brooks. Right. <laughs> You're not... In your heart, a hundred years old, like me and Corey. No, and that's <laughs> just <true>. old, yeah. <laughs> boring man. <laughs> yeah. You're a young, vibrant fella. <laughs> that's a future. <laughs> it's probably why. I don't. I, I don't have a future. <laughs> My life is over. <laughs> this is it. You're seeing it right here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. yeah I, and again, like, I, I, I love that. I love that. There's not a. There's almost a sense, like, with a lot of very funny people. Um, that Mel Brooks isn't particularly doing this for us. He thinks that's funny. Yeah. Uh, that 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 has a purity to it, and that has an alienating factor. You, I'm sure we've all met people that just don't care for some of those movies. I, I get it as an alienating factor. Yeah, they're called um, communists. But, <laughs> yeah, people that wait in line for bread. Uh, so <laughs> it's... It, he just... He's not doing it for us. It's not about broad appeal even though like these are hugely, you know, these are culturally very accessible jokes that he's making, but it's just, it, I mean, it really is like dad jokes. <laughs> these are like yeah. dad jokes are probably strongly based in Mel Brooks. And if you look at what was comedy on TV at this point in time, it was uh Sonny and Cher variety hour it was Donnie Marie. It was Richard Pryor's comedy show, uh, which was a lot of very vaudevillian kind of comedy. It was, it was jokes and more than it was sketches. I watched some of last night's Saturday Night Live, and every week on Saturday Night Live, there are those sketches that are just flat-out bombs, and they don't give a shit that they're bombs because it's this modern comedy sensibility that it doesn't have to be funny. And it's like, we used to play shit to be funny. And that was what comedy was, right. is it was meant to, even if it was the cheapest laugh in the world, it was meant to get somebody to laugh and Mel Brooks always goes for the laugh uh which is not bad at all but he also 
is a very classic filmmaker because you look at his stuff and it's indistinguishable from the eras of filmmaking that he's copying. You look Correct. at how this is filmed and it plays like it could just sit right next to the original Frankenstein movies. Um, you look at Blazing Saddles, it feels like a Western. It it just, it's so eerie how it can be side by side and you can just not be able to distinguish one from the other except for the fact of the, the Mel Brooks style of comedy in it. Yeah, and I think what, I'm not going to say it's underappreciated because there's plenty of people that appreciate it, but I guess for anybody that's not a film buff or thinks about it, like it's easy to lose track of like how good his chops are as a director, like how good his shots are also like how good he sets up a shot. And that really is on display in young Frankenstein because um, it, it is done in a throwback style and there is some purposefully more primitive ways of doing shots um, things that are tighter, like shots are done tighter than they're comfortable being a lot of times because I think that fits the style of camera. I mean, I'm not enough of a camera buff to be able to tell you, like, you know, going back, if, if you go back 50 years from when those were shot or more. And a lot of times, like the shakiness of the shots, um, the incompleteness of the pans and things, like I think some of those things are stylistically done. That's really showing its chops. And just like you said, Blazing Saddles is another great example. The, I mean, even Spaceballs, like the cinematography and the way those things are shot, the, the composition of shots a lot of times is reminiscent of a space opera. Like he's, he's got chops and he's able to do that. And But what's cool about that also, same thing, and this occurred to me while I was watching some of these um, in that same thread. His shots are in service of the jokes. There's a purpose behind every behind behind the way that he frames everything. It's not dialogue built inside of a frame. Makes the joke. The way the actors are blocked, the way they're put in the, the way they're put in perspective, the way they're the way they're put in the frame, the way we move. It's all in service of the joke, and that is that's a true true skill. Like it's it's the same as saying like you're. You know, like Kurosawa doing it for a motive effect or showing you the relationship between people on camera, which he was great at. But it's taking that same principle and doing it in the service of what's the gag? <laughs> How do you yep. get to the gag? And that's that's really cool to see when you watch Young Frankenstein. Yeah, Matt, I have a I have a very different perspective on this. I saw this movie at a matinee when I was like six or seven. Uh, the the first time, and then I've seen it numerous times over the years. Although this is the first time I think I've watched it bit beginning to end since probably the mid to late '80s. So yeah. it it's different for me because there are so many lines that I have memorized from this that you know I'll I'll make the put the candle back joke over and over again with my <laughs> friends. But to to finally see it again, fresh and and watch it from from beginning credits all the way through to the end of it. Um, made me appreciate some things differently, but I, how do you see it being that this was your first time coming in? And it is a, it's a film from 1974. You know, this thing is well older than you are. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of interested to hear Matt's perspective too. Um, well, I mean, I can I mean, I'm obviously familiar with Gene Wilder's comedy stylings. Uh, I knew that I would like this movie and I really did enjoy it. Um, parts felt long. Um, but not in like a bad way. Like it, it would probably because I was still drunk. I mean, that didn't exactly help <laughs> the situation with me trying to digest this movie. Um, but I knew that there was one thing I didn't have to do. And that was try to like piece together what was happening to figure out what the fuck was going on. I could just sit there and I can enjoy it. You yes. know, they, they, they dropped some solid jokes here and there. 
uh, the name thing got to me a lot because I'm basically in the business of people fucking up my last name. It's five letters, very easy. <laughs> yet people can they still don't know how to say it. So the whole Stein. Frankenstein, yeah, Frankenstein, yeah. So I, and then the the oh, I just changed it to Igor, like shit like that. I thought that was really funny. Um, <clears throat> I totally would watch this movie again. Uh, I actually kind of want to under different circumstances, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know why you'd ever want to watch a movie sober. Yeah, right? <laughs> I can't <laughs> understand that. The whole the whole basis yeah. of this podcast is me just being drunk while I watch movies. But uh, yeah. uh, the I feel like you could also like Corey said he's this is the first time he's watched it start to finish in a long time. Like you, this is not a movie that you need to watch start to finish every time. Like you could watch just the beginning, no. you could watch the middle, you could watch the end, or you could watch it out of order, and you still it's still an enjoyable movie. I love dad joke comedy though. Like the Naked Gun movies, I think are great. UHF is a great movie. So that's. It's it's really right up my alley. The the black and white kind of annoyed me because I like color, um, but that really is that's not a valid complaint. <laughs> yeah, you don't get to tell in that. Yeah, yeah. And Matt, have you ever seen Dracula Dead and Loving It? I think bits and pieces. Oh, yeah. That's another one I got. Because that's Mel Brooks with Leslie Nielsen from the Naked Gun movies. Uh, it, it's one of the I I don't know if it's Leslie's last movie, but it's one of his last films. And it's it's probably the last thing that I remember Mel Brooks really doing, uh, but it's it's some of the crew from well the same actors from uh, the Robin Hood Men in Tights, and Stephen Weber's in it I think is Igor or Igor, uh, yeah it it you might want to check that out just because of uh, adding it to my list. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's more. What is the name of the, that? I'm sorry to interrupt, but that actress you're talking about, the, the one from Robin Hood Men in Tights that played Maid Marian, um, she reminds Wayne. me. So, yeah, she reminds me so much of Madeline Kahn. I've always thought that that was like they just found a younger, like, <laughs> like more kind of ingenue. Like they upgraded. Madeline Kahn can't be replaced. I fucking love her. I think she's fantastic. If, if, I'm sure if you guys haven't seen Clue the movie, that's that 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 movie to me is a masterpiece yes. in fast-paced comedy. Madeline Kahn is fantastic in that. I think she's great. But I really, whoever that actress is that they found for that, it's like, oh, okay, you just found a younger one with perkier tits. Good that job. is Amy Yazbek. Yep. Uh, Amy Yazbek was married to John Ritter, uh, who is to oh, me another right. comedic god, and was one of my my two surrogate TV dads growing up. Uh, and <laughs> oh. and yeah, she is fantastic. She's been in a ton of stuff, but definitely known for. For being it, the leads in those comedies and Wings primarily was being the the person who came in in the later seasons. Uh, That's right. She's just and just one of those like one of my big crushes from TV. She is just oh yeah, wonderful. oh, oh yeah. She's in, she's in the mask also. And yeah, on Matlock. Oh, well, that makes oh sense. god, that's probably. One- my parents watched a ton of Matt. Like that's probably where I have a memory of her from more than anything else. Probably have some weird connection there. I don't even want. Explore too deeply. Oh shit! I forgot she was in the Problem Child movies too. Yep, that's probably where she met John. Oh <laughs> those movies are that, yeah, that's right. Great. Oh my god! You know, I've never seen fun. those. Oh I come on! It. You gotta watch at least the first one. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. Maybe second one. I don't know. Either yeah. way, they're they're decent movies. Yeah, she was in House Two. What the fuck is House Two? What is House One? House. Oh man, those are. Those are some wacky films. Like they they don't necessarily relate to each other very well. But House One was William Cat and George Went, and it's basically a guy who who gets this 
I, I think he is bequeathed this house and it's not only haunted, but it's like all these weird things in all the different rooms and stuff like that. It's just, it's not even scary so much as just like bizarre, but it's kind of was pitched as a horror movie. And then house two, a uh, completely different group of people come into it. I couldn't tell you a lot about it. The the plots don't really fucking matter. It's just that they're they're like, one of those things that are in my history. Yeah, I feel like those movies have been brought up on this show before. It wouldn't su- surprise me. It, they are considered classics for no other reason than the fact that they were just on cable all the goddamn time. <laughs> just repetition did that one. That's yeah, <laughs> the classic makes. I was explaining to my wife about the new Thor movie, and I said it's a lot like Flash Gordon. She's like, I've never seen flash gordon and i was just pissed at her <laughs> I said, is that why you <laughs> murdered her <laughs> we had a callback joke exactly. we had a disagreement uh no i just i was how could you not i mean that is so stereotypically 80s it's it's a fantastic but they wouldn't let the lead actor have his own voice in it it was like you hit somebody else oh, God, yes. the whole time i said but you watch that movie if nothing else because it's queen playing the entire time for the Yep, that's, just close your eyes, man. Just to it. <laughs> Nothing else. Just close your eyes. It, it actually God, lands a better score than a... Highlander. Uh, but God damn, it is, it is not good, but it's awesome at the same time because we all just watched it. Correct. It was just, that was the thing. Yeah. It's, there's something about that availability thing. Like if you, if there's a certain stage or certain, like it really stakes its claim on something like the kind of, I don't know, whatever shows were on WGN when I was growing up, when we first had basic cable, like stuff like that. Like there's just something to be said for that exposure bias that happens that like something becomes a classic, like the, the number of people that can like quote and love the movie air force one is directly related to the fact that HBO ran that thing 17 times a day in the nineties. <laughs> like that's, yep. That's that's a throwaway action movie. Like, okay, it's got some good lines, whatever. but now everybody, same with con air. Connor was just like, well, it's on TBS. Mm. <laughs> like, it's like we're going to watch the edited version on TBS. And now everybody knows it. it there's a, really a lot to be said for that. Connor is always going to be Forrest Gump on a plane to me, but uh, I, I completely agree. And, that, <laughs> and that's the thing is that the, these are also not particularly those two movies necessarily, but the kinds of films that were played so much that got their own spoofs because of it. Like the amount of times that Top right. Gun played and everybody saw Top Gun and knew Top Gun back and forth. It's like, here's our hot shots and here's our hot shots part duo. And and Mel Brooks doing Robin Hood Men in Tights. It it's like he, everybody knows this film. Everybody knows how bad that Kevin Costner's non-British accent is in it. So it's just Jesus. like back and forth. So I'm just gonna throw it in there. And then here's here's some points where I'm gonna make fun of Home Alone. Why? Because Home Alone's really big right now. So here's a kid screaming his way down a path and like I gotta go home alone now just the dumbest line in the world that only makes sense because you've seen mm-hmm. home alone a billion times. Correct. Trying to yep. think of what the- so it's, I always think, I always think about that too. Like there are so many jokes that are referential, especially like in a, in a genre of music, like hip hop, there are oftentimes so many current event references. Like if you go back and listen to popular hip hop from like 10, 12 years ago, you will hear pop culture references and you will struggle to listen. You'll struggle to remember like what is who was does that a th- who was John Bonet? Like I like I don't like you 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 forget over time. Like and I always always wonder about that. But that really I, I don't know there's there's probably like a, a chicken and egg argument there because those movies probably also get played a lot because they did well commercially. And not always though. 
I mean, things that are syndicated don't always do well commercially. Sometimes they try to make the money back in syndication. So, yeah, sometimes we have like Flash Gordon. We have classics forced upon us, I guess, is what we're at the whims of. Whoever wants to make money off of something can make us think it's a classic. That's a nice theme for the episode, right? <laughs> All the victims <laughs> of capitalism. <laughs> Nothing you like is actually good. So and I, I read an article. This has got to be a couple years ago now, but it was basically how they make you like top 40 music. Has nothing to do with the music actually being good. Huh. It's that they just play it over and over and over and over and over and over and over, and eventually they'll play something worse, and you're just like, "That's not that bad," because that sucks more. So it's uh, like, yeah. it, you know, great, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, if you and I were in a room together, someone would be like, "Wow, that guy's in really good shape," because the one next to him's fat. So you know what I mean? It's <laughs> so you're, the same thing. So you're, so you're telling me that's the uh, that's the key yep. to looking yoked. <laughs> just yeah. find a worse looking friend. That's why I you know, and I hang out with big ass dudes sometimes. <laughs> uh, so and I I remember having that that phenomenon kind of being reality for me because I used to work kind of in the corporate world and there are there were times where I would sit in offices with people that listened to top forty radio. Oh, you know, they listened to clear channel stations that were top forty. And when you're there for eight hours you realize like that's we're, we're really hearing 19 songs over and over again. Yeah. Like you, fucking, you are you're on a different rotation. You're hearing that in the same I, songs. I worked at a radio station and in that building was the yeah. top 40 station. Oof. And, and well, it, I worked for the country station, but there was country talk wow. AM uh, top 40 and the rock station. And uh, basically one of the, the program directors was explaining to me about how like, so the new Miley Cyrus song comes out and you hear it on the radio all the goddamn time because the marketing people behind it have paid to have that song played all the goddamn time. So they're for, you know, they're paying, right. uh, they're paying to have it played more because whatever the fucking algorithm is that makes people like shitty music. But I don't know. I just, I don't right. listen to the radio. I don't even, and it's, it's like five producers of, of all the pop music as well. You know, it's the same few people. Uh, and, and it is what you were talking about earlier, beach, uh, bad reputation of one of those producers in the music industry and and doing shit and everything and like all these people coming out yeah i don't ever want to fucking work with that guy i know exactly what he did i know he made me feel uh so i completely believe kesha or whoever that's that's exactly but yeah that's that's true and it's i don't mind pop music because it's pop music i i get sick of it because it does pervade and everything i like to tell the story about how I stopped listening to Pandora. At first, Pandora was the coolest thing in the world to me because I was discovering all this new music from it. But slowly, every fucking station that I created, no matter what the source was, if it was Frank Sinatra or Beethoven or whatever, suddenly would start playing fucking Red Hot Chili Peppers. I don't understand that. Like, this is not... I've never liked them once. I don't know how they wind up on every fucking station I make. Goddamn Pandora. There... Uh, that's just gonna i think we're gonna see that happen time and time again like it's pandora was definitely groundbreaking but you know these become companies that become their own animals they become these beasts that have to be supported with revenue and as you grow and grow and grow you have to find new ways to support that and uh, you know eventually you open the door to just like matt was saying at that radio station you open the door to well there are a lot of companies that'll pay a lot of money maybe not directly but maybe you know they'll bring us advertisers and they'll bring us opportunities and marketing opportunities that if we just get those those songs and rotations on more channels, and we then that's how it happens. It'll happen. It'll probably happen to Spotify at some point. You know, it'll probably it's going to happen to all of them at some point. I, I think we just we're probably in this where we're going to have to consistently switch platforms for entertainment every ten years. 
Probably. Yeah, that's why people We're change gonna... the new social media all the time. It's like, oh, well, Facebook became too available to my parents, so uh, fuck that. I'm going to go yeah. over to Snapchat, and Snapchat's starting to put ads in the snap, so I'm going to go over to Instagram, or I'm going to go to Tumblr, where it's like, here's where all the porn is. Absolutely. I remember when, <laughs> when alternative radio came out, and alternative radio was kind of based off of the stuff that you wouldn't hear unless it was on college radio stations, and you're like, oh, shit, you know, here's stuff that I've never heard of. But then alternative radio became just as commercial as every other fucking thing. Again, the same 19 songs over and over again. And it's like, how did Sheryl Crow wind up on my alternative station? I Nothing against right. Sheryl Crow, but she just doesn't belong in this. And why is there even a mix? This is supposed to be an expression of finding stuff that I wouldn't hear on other stations. No, they've all got they've got to be holding to their shareholders and to their advertisers. And so unless you're the person who actually loves to go out and discover new music on your own by just buying random albums and picking it up, or you get a great group of people around you that can kind of point each other out to new things, you're, you're kind of stuck in the same boat. I'm 46 now, so all the music I listen to is the same shit I've listened to over the last 30 years or stuff that's like it. And it's I've got five albums or five bands that are in my rotation that I just like, well, this is the week that I'm going to listen to Bare Naked Ladies, and then this is the week that I'm going to listen to Cake, uh, or this right. is the week that I'm going to listen to MCR. Yeah, that over and over again, that's what happens. But if I was young and still gave a shit, I'd be just bitter and pissed. But that's what YouTube did. Yeah, that's true. Correct. And going back to the Spotify thing, too, I think that's what that's the appeal of something like Spotify is that. Few ways I've discovered any new music, like a company or a service that can do that effectively to somebody that's again, I'm 38, so they can do that for me. You know, I am interested in finding music. I like to, but again, the opportunities for me to do that are few and far between with the outlets that I have. You know, I think um, Spotify, to a certain extent, Google Play Music does a decent job of that. Uh, I don't know anything about Apple Radio. I don't know if I'm ever going to. But like those services giving you like more of a, like in their infancy and even into their childhood, I guess, you know, as they grow, they're much more interested in expanding and getting more artists, more exposure and all that kind of stuff. And like any more artists, you know, with distribution rights that they have with them so they have uh, an incentive to do that but at a certain point the monster catches hold at a certain point you know rca gets a hold of the grunge movement <laughs> like at some point yeah. it's always going to happen and that's why we're probably continuing like like we were just saying you're continually going to be switching platforms to find the next and greatest thing and like music is more uh, well, like film it's more it's more democratic. It's more, I guess that's the best way. To, it's more egalitarian than it's ever been in some ways that we have access to make so many high quality products. I mean, look at the fact that I mean, we're sitting here right now talking on what would have 20 years ago been nearly top of the line microphones. We're video chatting with each other and what could be high definition, depending on the platform. Like, you know, we have more access to those sort of things. So it's easier to find that stuff. You know, it's easier to to find things that individual people are making. But then you're now we're hitting this point where there's such an ocean of it that it becomes just in that like you can't navigate it anymore. Like there, yeah. What's what's a cream that rises to the top of of right, that? right? There's a there's a <laughs> this is the the nerdiest possible reference here, and I hope you guys played Metal Gear Solid at some point when you're younger. But um, in that video game, the whole point of it is through like a super cryptic way of getting through it all. Like the idea is like. There's the idea of the game is there's this huge Illuminati technology technology based monster that was created a long time ago by the forefathers of the country, whatever that is controlling ideas and thought 
through media, the internet, whatever. And the idea is that it's not just about mind control. It's that if you allow information to flow, flow freely, it becomes such a mess and with no direction and that everybody has a voice, whether it's right or wrong and out there, that it that information doesn't mean anything anymore. It's actually a really deep idea that they get into in that. And that's kind of what we're talking about is, you know, when everybody has a voice, it becomes harder to know whose voice is worth listening to because you have to sift through so many. But I, I would argue I'd rather have it that way than have not enough to be the only ones we get here. Yeah, like that's, you know, it used to be, you know, there were three channels that you could watch on television. It used to be that there were three movie studios or, you know, really one or two in the early days. So I, I don't know. I'm No, that was that's exactly yeah. it, though. There were three main channels and then there was a couple UHF channels if you could get them in. And then if you were lucky, you lived in a town that had a local access channel. And the local access was the alternative to everything else. And and it would be 90% religious programs, but you get that one weird Wayne's World-esque type show on a Saturday night, and, and they would get away with whatever they could. Or or your local uh, horror TV host that plays the creature features, the monster movies and stuff every week. That That's right. always a very local-feeling broadcast, and it felt like you were you were seeing something that was not supposed to be seen on television you were getting away with something it was something that you kind of hid from your parents because they either didn't like you watching that trash or whatever it was just like it felt a little bit dangerous and surreal to see that on the same thing that was playing the dukes of hazard and knight rider right yeah i mean like those were the first podcast man <laughs> yeah that and like uh you know illegal radio those are the first people that were doing that kind of stuff and uh I guess it's like kind of bringing it back full circle. It's really, it's interesting to me. Like I'm not as well versed in Mel Brooks story, like uh, to be perfectly honest, I'm, I'm familiar with his work, but I'm not well versed in the story, but it's worth noting that his particular style of filmmaking and especially something like young Frankenstein, that's fairly subversive. I mean, yeah. in a sense, like it, it's very harmless and overall, like it's a little raunchy at times, but I mean, in terms of film production, in terms of the types of movies, the fact that he got so much funding, like, uh, you know, maybe not so much or as much as other big studios, but enough to make some decently big movies, uh, that's a pretty subversive film style that he had. And that, that really catches me when you look at contemporary movies around the time that Mel Brooks made those. Like, I mean, that's there's, you know, there can be social commentary, there can be satire about current media or about big untouchable things like there can even be industry in inside industry jokes and stuff like that. I, that's, I mean, that's pretty cool, honestly. Yeah. And, and it, movies felt bigger at that point in time. It was, everything was really, the production was a huge part of making a film. That's why people would go to the movies. It, it was a, there was something different about movies than there was about TV. Now the the lines are very blurred and with digital effects and everything, you can achieve the same thing on a TV budget a lot. Um, yeah, but you're, you're absolutely right. It, it's still, it's amazing that they would, they would let that kind of stuff go and say, well, he's making fun of the industry, but maybe we deserve to be made fun of. And he was a trendsetter because it was not long after that. We got the first airplane. Right. Yeah, I mean, and even little things like fourth wall breaking, like that fourth wall breaking is this this cliche to us now. Like it's whatever it happens. Oh, Deadpool does it. Like you know, it's like it's just we accept it as like part of comedy. But there, the reason there's a term for it is because it's such a strange thing. Like it's 
it's something that you know when you when you learn theater, when you learn you know how to write, how to perform for theater, you learn that it has to be used so sparingly because it can really spoil the aesthetic. It can spoil like you know the, it can actually break. It, it, that's why they really call it breaking the fourth wall. Like it, it really is like it's there's a breaking to it that it's hard to repair if you overdo it. And so Mel Brooks' ability to do that and do it seamlessly without apology is again pr- a pretty cool thing. Like it's not something that you got. Like and it's really it's kind of interesting to watch a young Frankenstein to watch him doing a tribute to and aping the style of those old classic horror movies and then intermixing things that are so genre bending and idea bending like fourth wall breaks <laughs> like yeah. you know putting those things in there like that I can only imagine what it must have been like in seventy four to see that movie having been exposed to only kind of standard movie media and maybe some classics and some basic television programming you know TV movie stuff like that. And then see things like that and that feeling that you got from it must have been like people, I mean, riding a train for the first time or flying in planes for the first time, like that disconnect from the reality you're used to. And that's probably why it's easy for us to look at a Mel Brooks movie, to look at Young Frankenstein. And when we laugh at those movies or we notice things about those, we're probably doing them that we chuckle. Like we're probably breathing through our nose slightly harder than we normally do. That kind of laugh. And but and, and but we're also like realizing I got out to fourth wall break or although that's a that's a reference to blah blah blah. You see all that, but seeing that in real time in '74 when that hadn't been done, that had to be trippy to see that in context. That's the kind of stuff I I find interesting is like it, just like it, Star Wars. We keep on spaceballs. Seeing Star Wars in the theater the first time as an adult, can you just imagine what that did to people? Like holy shit! Like that's a spaceship. Like, I find that really interesting, the idea of seeing those things when they first come out. Well, I will and say that there's what a style, are we seeing? The, the fourth wall stuff and everything, especially, is a style that I think existed in comedy because it seems like, I, I, I don't remember a lot about them now, but as a kid, I I did watch some of the Marx Brothers stuff and, and they, they did yeah. similar things. And I was a big fan of Abbott and Costello and a little bit of Laurel and Hardy, but certainly the Three Stooges. So those, those styles of comedy kind of go hand in hand with this, but those were purely uh, sort of puerile comedy. And Mel Brooks, I don't think invented any of it, but definitely took it into a serious film progression and was able to do things that they didn't do on those. Like as intelligent as you would ever say uh, Abner Costello was, like you can't listen to who's on first and not recognize the brilliance of it. Uh, But they weren't doing dangerous things in the way that a Blazing Saddles did. Yeah, and in feature films. Right. In truly feature films. Like these are, you know, things with huge budgets and a lot of people counting on you. <laughs> to, yeah. And, you know, to do things that are a little bit risky. I, I, I think that's very cool. I also kind of, in that same vein, I often I find myself wondering, what are the things we're seeing now in, in, in movies? What are the things, or entertainment in general, visual entertainment, what are we seeing now that somebody 30 years from now will think similarly about. They'll be like, can you imagine what it was like in 2017 to see that? Like to just be like, I've never seen that before and see it. And that it's so hard to do that perspective wise to understand that. I mean, everybody said that avatar was going to be that. Like, yeah. I, I don't look back on avatar now and be like, wow, man, that just changed the way I think about movies. It didn't. No, the I, matrix changed. I think the way that I saw effects in movies uh, that's a good I, way to put it. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. 
And if Avatar did anything, it was supposed to be the next step from that. But I don't, I haven't seen Avatar. I just, I could never build up the interest to it. Um, but the, the last really brave innovation that I think that I've noticed, uh, again, a movie that I haven't seen yet is uh, Boyhood. The one that was filmed, it, it, the kid in like sort of real time over years of his life that came back several yeah. years later and you would see him kind of growing up in the film. But yeah. nobody knew anything about it until it was actually released. That to me was a, a pretty big deal because that is such a huge effort to take and a risk because who knows how things are going to change for actors and actresses and the director and the, everybody involved in that the years later that it takes to put so much time into a project, even if it was just in little batches here and there. Um, that's impressive to me. But yeah, most films, like I love the new Thor movie. It was a great comedy. It was an excellent example of Marvel films, but it wasn't brave in any way, shape or form. It was, sure. it was a tribute to eighties classic sci-fi and, and updating Thor into a way that his other movies haven't really been able to do to get him an audience, but it just leads into the next Marvel. Well, that's, movie. Be- that's becoming, that's becoming the gripe with Marvel movies now. I mean, that's, and to me, I, I see it that where at first that they were unique in their take on superheroes being lighter, cheekier, um, you know, more fun. Um, they are starting to feel like they are taking edgy road, I guess, when they, the way they handle it, it seems edgy, but it's really a safe formula within the Marvel cinematic universe. They're not straying too much from the things that work for them. Yeah. And uh, I, I think Which that's I becoming a, the gripe. I don't necessarily have a problem with that because I, what I like about the Marvel movies is one is that I think that there are the times when they vary a little bit. Uh, Winter Soldier stands out to me as something that's very different from the other Marvel films. And I wouldn't mind yeah. more of that, but they should be films that are accessible. And and having sure. an accessible, yeah. enjoyable movie is to me never a failure. But it's just that when you when you crave something that's going to be a little more brave, then you might look at a Logan, uh, or you might look at a, a Deadpool, which is accessible but adult. You know, Logan is yeah. dark and moody, and and again, not seriously straying too far from what the original source material was, being re- very respectful to the original stuff. But saying, okay, well, we're going to try this. The new Mutants movie that's supposed to be coming out is leaning more towards an actual horror movie, which is what I thought Doctor Strange was supposed to be uh, until it got closer to coming out. And then right. it just kind of looked like everything else. I I don't ever take issue with that at all. I just, you, I don't see it that it's going to be like the films that people are going to talk about for decades after. The only thing that, really is the selling point of the Marvel Universe is that the fact that it's been so consistent. That itself is a huge achievement to have this many movies, this many actors and characters going across the board and directors coming in and going out and everything and having it just be from beginning to end, like all of them are at least okay to very, very good. Um, And you never really have a bad time watching a Marvel film. Well, and apparently there's an entire team that works behind the scenes um, very clearly keeping track of the universe and keeping track of the lore, the relationships, the characters that have been introduced and how they're going to plan that. Like, there's a plan. Like, it's, this is nice to see. Like, it's nice, like, as as a comic book aficionado, like, uh, I don't, you know, especially when I, most of when I was younger, but, like, seeing those things treated in the same way that the writers of the comics treated them is nice. Like, yeah. see, seeing, like, realizing that, you know, we are 
like we're progressively watching the Civil War timeline play out in film and they're doing it carefully and they're doing it in with progress and not doing it haphazardly and making it a side note. Like that was, I mean, that was a seminal huge event in the comic books. That was something that everybody spent a lot of time thinking about. I, I, I'm, I'm glad to see that they've invested that much into it. I like that part. And, you know, at the same time you talked about accessibility, you know, when you have a budget dollars, you unfortunately are kind of stuck making an accessible movie because you need to make your money back. Yeah. <laughs> but but you, yeah, you can't you, you can't you compare to what uh, Nolan did with his his Batman trilogy and and Nolan had Batman in his box and there was no way for that box to open up and involve a uh, Wonder Woman or a Superman that's why Bale and him didn't take the the road of like okay we're going to take this and we're going to roll it out to a Justice League film it's like no we relaunch with a new Batman and that stuff this stuff exists here and only here and nothing outside of here and that's that's okay but again, from being a comic book fan is I'm used to giant shared universes. And then those universes, there are Batman stories that are strictly Batman stories because he works as a detective or he works as a street level crime. And then you put Batman next to Aquaman and it changes the entire dynamic of the character. Yeah, I, I agree. And that's DC still struggling to figure that out. Yeah, let, let, let. I hope they're getting better. I, 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 I am going to give them the the sense that maybe they are they sound like they are trying to improve they're trying to learn from the the feedback that they've gotten and and we'll see i'm hopeful speaking of big movie studios and frankenstein wasn't there a studio that just recently like whoever was the release that tom cruise mummy movie i guess that came out was there a studio that bought the universal got all the rights to, or they started using all the rights, I guess, to make these classic monster movies. So we're going to be seeing a threat. We're going to be seeing a stream of those, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. They've always been the Universal monsters, uh, but the the crossover. They've tried a few times. They tried with Van Helsing. Uh, they the Dracula Untold. It might have been the a movie that came out a few years ago. It was so, supposed to be the launch of this new universe thing, but it bombed. So they said, "All right, we're going to bank on Tom Cruise and get him to launch it, and we're going to put in." Uh, this guy as the the backbone of it is Dr. Jekyll. But it it did terrible. And and I don't know what they're going to have to do to make that work. But not everything needs to be a giant crossover franchise. And that's the problem is that they're yeah. trying to make too many of these things happen. It's like with the Marvel Universe and the DC Universe, it makes sense because that's what all of their source material is. But there aren't tons going back to the original stories of crossovers between dracula and frankenstein and the werewolf honestly you go back it's the adam and costello movie that was the first big crossover between them and they included the classic actors in those roles so you got a lon cheney and and you've got the the things that you're used to seeing that was fantastic is that going to translate to today i don't know i don't know how exciting dracula is yeah. to a modern audience and i don't know how exciting the wolfman is to a modern audience because yeah. it's not like we've ever seen them go away fully. Um, and they're not and they've, really we've, horror we've done and, sub- and we've subverted those in positive ways, like like an American Werewolf in London. Like you've subverted those those archetypal stories in interesting ways already to where it's hard to backtrack. Like it's, yeah. you know, we saw even the Brendan Fraser mummy movies. Those are ridiculous, but they were fun and very successful. So yeah. we've taken those, those archetypes have already been done and done and subverted so much that like we kind of have a new cultural understanding. Now I'm going to get like, I'm going to get anthropological here, I guess, or I guess, um, I don't know, biological, I guess, but also it's worth remembering that a lot of these 
those stories, the Draculas, the werewolf, the mummy, the zombies, all these, these classic horror things, these aren't like complete, like imagined creations, like a lot of Marvel characters are that are based on certain like types of people. Like these are very fundamentally scary things to people that have been born out of legend. Um, you know, these are things that legends that developed over time based on old superstitions and fears that are based in things that were at some point real threats to us. You know, like the idea of a blood sucking vampire or like thing that takes things in the night is very scary to human beings. We have a fundamental built in. It's just like making a movie about spiders. Like we're all scared of spiders. Like we're all scared. We all have a fundamental fear of the body that still looks alive that we have to seeing a dead body and like recognizing that's humanity. That's a human, like that fear response that comes along with like, what if it's not dead? Like, or what if somebody like they want to avenge their death in some way, because they still look like an intact human being. What if that person comes back to life and they're pissed? Like these are really fundamental, like from when we were, you know, <laughs> living in, living in caves, living in the Savannah kind of stuff. And I, I, and I just don't know that those are things that you can build enough complexity into to really make it compelling universe like you're saying and i know that's uh, that's under that's kind of like maybe that's underestimating what modern writers and directors can do but i really think there is such a fundamental core component to those that speak for themselves like yes dracula is scary like that there's a reason that it's scary it hits something primal and strange in me just like you know something coming back from the dead does just like a werewolf a person that's part ant part beast and the, loses control because of disease or like all those sort of things like these superstitions that are built into us culturally i just don't know if you can make that more interesting and scary because it's already hitting to the core a little bit now like transformers like i don't we don't have a shared cultural fear of robots from another planet. Like we don't, so like we, we can build stuff around that to create interesting stuff. I don't know. I'm rambling, but I hope I get the point across there. No, I, I, I agree it, to me. It's, it's as much that, but it's also that Dracula is from a hundred years ago. It's what was scary. Then the Wolfman is from many, many years ago. And how do you modernize these things to make them scary for today? You look at uh, the creepy pasta stuff and it's, creations of horror that relate to a modern society it's it's things in in rural areas as opposed to um things that were like out in the the woods or the the creepy things out in the the moors in ireland and stuff like that you're not going to get somebody to be afraid of nessie uh the loch ness right. monster but if you find a way to modernize the the dracula mythos instead of making him this old romantic figure uh, from centuries ago, and you do something like Fright Night, it at least hits people in a place where they live now. If you create horror stories that relate to... It, it's weird to me that people are doing movies about Ouija boards, because I, Ouija boards say Milton Bradley on them. I don't understand why you're afraid of something that's made by the same people who do Monopoly. But telling people to be afraid of social media and stuff, as dumb as those movies are to me, because I am from a different generation... I understand why that's something that's easily connected to by younger people today because that is where they spend all their time and there is sort of an inherent scariness to being online and sharing everything about yourself and and suddenly having that information get exposed to the people that you didn't want to know about it. Um, yeah. 
so I can understand a modern mythology. Yeah. Then as opposed to like, I'm supposed to be afraid that you brought something back to life and it stomps around in big boots. Who gives a shit? You know, what is the creature of the Black Lagoon to me? Where's the Black Lagoon? I live in San Francisco and, and I'm surrounded <laughs> by fucking hills. That thing ain't going to uh, get the, anywhere. The good point of note here that uh, the Black Lagoon is a club in San Francisco. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can you can go there tonight if you wanted to. But yeah, no, that, that, that's well said. And if and honestly, when you look at our generation, um, even I guess spanning the three of us, really look at the Scream movies. Look how successful those were. And, you know, and they might have seemed silly to the previous generation, but they were successful because the idea was there's a killer among you. Like somebody among you can be harboring such a such a grudge. It's almost like the Scooby-Doo. It, it's really they're like Scooby-Doo movies, right? Like there's somebody that's been wronged and we completely forgot why they were wronged so bad. But they're going to exact revenge on us until they're unmasked and we find out who they were. And they're among us. They're in your social circle. There's somebody that, you know, you know, like so I, I guess that's in and of itself. Maybe that's a, a sign of the times kind of movie. And maybe a lot of the newer stuff that involves social media and, you know, um, you know, live streaming and stuff, the kind of movies that you see that involve that now, maybe that's, I mean, maybe that's really scary to some people now, you know, maybe that does matter. And I, I really like your point about like, we much, we're much more urbanized and we can explain things away, you know, just explaining something away doesn't mean it can't be entertaining, but horror movies are special because they work on a primal response. They work on a fear or horror or terror response. They work on making you nervous or anxious or scared. And we've not like, I can, I've read studies now where they, you know, can partially reanimate tissue, you know, like, like chemically or electrically. Like, that's not a shock to me. Like, it's not like, oh, okay, but it's like, it's going to be a lump of something that big in a Petri dish. Like, I understand how that works on a biological level. Or like, we understand now that it's physiologically impossible for somebody to subsist on blood, to drink the blood of other people. Like, you know, it's, it's not going to work that way. Like, we know, but like 300 years ago, they didn't know that. You know, most people right. were uneducated, half drunk, and half starved most of the time. And you know, they lived in places where you know there wasn't running water and there wasn't light. And those superstitions about horror, about those things, those archetypal horror monsters, exist because it was safer to be scared of those things than not. It was safer to be to not. You know, if you live in you know a, a town east of the mountains in where is where is Transylvania? But I can't remember what the man. Like if you live in Transylvania and you live near the woods, it's better to not go out at night. Right. It's safe to believe that there are monsters that are going to get you. Or if you can if you can teach somebody stay away from wolves and like animals like that, don't get bitten because you may turn into a bloodthirsty monster, which probably kept you from getting rabies, which is probably what all that comes from. So there's a reason that th that stuff works. And I guess in maybe it's just that everything's boring because we understand it now. And like there's like we've explained away the primal fears for stuff. So uh, it's a big challenge. I guess at the end of the day, it's a big challenge for a studio like Universal or somebody to say, like, hey, how do I make a mummy interesting? Because nobody has like tried to unearth a, a mummy in Egypt for 100 years now. So how do I make that scary? I don't know. Uh, Transylvania's in Romania. Thank you. See, no <laughs> dropping knowledge. <laughs> I googled it. Yeah, well, no, sh no shame in a little Google action. Well, I'd rather be right than wrong. 
Yeah. It's a, what a weird, what, what a weird thing now though, that uh, what a conversation starter and stopper it can be right. Being able to Google and talk about stuff. I can't remember who said it. I'm, I'm, I'm totally shoplifting it, but the idea that like, how did he put this story is like you, it used to be like, you would ask somebody like, Hey, where was Tom Petty born? And you'll both go, I don't know. Like, I, I have no idea where Tom Petty was born. And then you'd just be okay with that. And once in a while, it would come up in conversation or something. And, like, everybody would be like, oh, I, I don't really know. That's interesting, huh? But one day, like, you're at a party or something, and you joke about the time that you and your buddy didn't know where Tom Petty was born. And this girl knows where he was born, like Missouri or whatever. Mm -hmm. She knows it. And then you start dating and getting married. <laughs> That's how, like, you used to meet people and get together. Like, it's – we we kind of lack that now because now that first conversation between me and you was like, hey, where's Tom Petty born? Click, click, click. Oh, yep. Yeah, there's <laughs> like no it, opportunity to be wrong or there to be a conversation about something. And like the, the ability to be that guy that knows everything. Like uh, we had a friend in high school uh, who was very, very knowledgeable with music, the history of music, you know, this band, that band, anything, whatever. And my dad is very, very big into music too. So in high school, like we would... It, it, it was like cool to see my buddy and my dad like try and see who could get the most you know music trivia correct it's like now yeah that doesn't fucking exist because i can just pull my phone out and whatever question you have i can get the answer to and yeah it's a it's a definite it changes conversation for sure and i we have a we have a google home in our kitchen you know the, the hey google blah, 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 like yeah. we have one of those now my kids love it, and a lot of times we'll have conversations at the dinner table where we're like, hmm, I don't know about that, and they'll start to default to doing that, and I find myself being the old fuddy-duddy. I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's just talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Let's just figure it out. Let's go back and let's let mommy and daddy rack their old brains and figure it out, <laughs> and I, I think I think the like not to get all parental, but I think the big struggle for us with kids is going to be teaching them to be literate with technology and able to use it, but not completely dependent on it. And not even just dependent to enjoy not knowing. Right. The, to yeah, enjoy yeah. like not having access. If you don't have the answer that <laughs> promotes the, um, the desire to learn more, the pursuit of knowledge. Yeah. And like, yeah, hundred percent. I remember going to school, high school, and you had to like learn how to write papers. You had to learn how to write English correctly. Now, uh, Microsoft Word will just tell me when I spelled something wrong. It'll tell me if it's grammatically incorrect, and it'll just fix it. Like there's, you don't. Don't you? Don't you kind of hate it though? I do. Like at your at, as yeah, I kind of hate it. I'm sure people love that now, but I kind of hate it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It, it's it's it kind of sucks. Um. It appears we lost Corey, so it's just you and I for the end. And I gotta wrap wrap this up anyways. I gotta take my wife out to dinner for our wedding anniversary. Maybe it's a blessing. Nice. Um, oh. Gainesville, Florida, by the way. Tom Petty was born in Gainesville. Oh, I did not know that. Continue. Did you Google it or See, did there you, you know? go. I did Google okay, it. Okay. I thought <laughs> I about did. it and I'm like, well, that kind of defeats the purpose of this conversation. Oh, um, I'm totally fine being a hypocrite. Don't worry. Oh, I do it all the time. Literally do it all the time. But usually, and it, Good. Like, like you said, you have that moment where you're like, well, let's try and figure this one out. Like, usually I will sit down and like try and figure it out. And then if there's a point where it's like, fuck it, I quit, that's when I'll go to the Google. But that's what it's there for. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm okay with being wrong. And I'm okay with sucking at things for a while. But, dude, you said it right. There's a big temptation to be the guy that knows it all. Mm -hmm. And there's a, there's a big temptation. Like, dudes have that really bad. 
Like yep. we really have the want to be the guy that knows what he's talking about yep. thing. And it, it's really tempting, but I, I guess I've discovered an old age and like, that's why, that's why I really like doing this podcast with you guys. And I like doing these sort of things is I like to step into areas where I'm not an expert. Yeah. And I like to just talk to people that are and be able to say, huh, I don't fucking know. But that's the thing. We're not <laughs> just, experts either. And, we're just, we're just two that's true. normal guys that are willing to fucking put our ideas out there and be told we're wrong. I don't claim. Well, I mean, passion can passion passion can take the place for the uh, memorizing yeah. a lot. And just like you said, like the desire to learn, like the takeaway from the takeaway for me is this: like uh, just from talking with you and Corey, uh, there's so many things I can just now. I'll go either, I'll think about more, or I may even Google. Who knows? I may read those things. I may find them. You know, yeah. I, I may find those things and read about them. And that I mean, like what a, an hour and a half of conversation leads to me like expanding my horizons a little bit. And that's, that's way more valuable, man. Mm -hmm. That's super valuable. Yeah. I, I completely agree. And and it's like, I mean, you have done this twice now. We do this fucking weekly, a lot of times with other people. So it's like, it's just this deep rabbit hole and rabbit hole of sex and shame. Well, that's the fun part. That's why I started doing the podcast too, man. It's like just having regular structured conversations outside of your comfort zone. How cool is that? doesn't happen very much because usually I'm talking to an eight-year-old, a five-year-old, and a 15-month-old, and I pretty much know everything they know already, So, <laughs> and more, hopefully. But yeah, so now I get the chance to like talk to other grown-ups about stuff in a structured way where I get to be like, huh, I'm a dumb-dumb, and I didn't know it. Eh, where you're smart, eh. I'm dumb, and where you're dumb, I'm smart. It, it's, 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 a, <laughs> it's the whole basis for like friendships and relationships. It know? is, right? Did Complimentary. We even, did we even talk about the movie? <laughs> a little. Like five minutes. A little. We didn't. We, okay. we didn't rate it yet. We didn't no, no. Our... We do have to rate it, and then I got to read this ridiculous outro, and then I got to put real pants on. Uh, don't don't rush on the pants thing. Uh, I can't really go out in public without real pants on. Well, I don't know if you had courage, you could. I, all right. I feel like you just dared me to wear sweatpants out in public, to like a restaurant. I mean, look, man. I feel like I feel like it's in your heart already. I feel like you're just putting it on me. You know, I feel like you're making it my fault. <laughs> like you really want to in your in your heart. So if I wear sweatpants in public and someone's like, "Sir, you can't be wearing sweatpants," I'll be like, "But Mike Beach said I could, as long as I." <laughs> I don't know if you've heard, but he is a published author. Yeah, he's an author. <laughs> um, you're gonna want to keep an eye out. That motherfucker's gonna be on the New York sellers, uh, best sellers. Excuse me. And uh, he also made these sweatpants, sir. <laughs> I haven't I haven't broken down and bought hate sweatpants yet because I don't like the cuff. Oh, get the, get the joggers, man! You got to you got to go joggers. I don't like the cuff. Like I don't like the elastic cuff on the on my ankles. You know you know what is pretty cool? You cut them into shorts. Uh, Matt did that with a pair of his. I'm about to do it with mine. Um, cut them to a seven inch seam. They actually make pretty killer shorts. And you're and you're a Minnesotan. I'm sure like sweatpants shorts are uh, no you're no stranger to those. Yeah, Wisconsin. Wisconsin, Minnesota. I don't know. They're all the same up there, right? Fucking correct. Sorry, it's all northern states with funny. With you all call soda, you all call you all call soda pop up there. So one of those states. (laughs) I don't. I don't. I call it soda. You do? Are you originally from Wisconsin? Yeah. Born and raised. I thought you guys were a pop. No. Um. I think Illinois is. Maybe it is. I don't know. I've always said soda. Uh, Northern Ohio was pop when I lived there. They're pop. That sounds about right. Pop. Uh, so it was really funny. I'm gonna make fun of my wife real quick before I do nice things. But uh, 
celebrate your love for her. Yes. <laughs> we were standing like in our closet talking about something and she kept saying the word gross. And like, I know, I know, I, I know, I know I do it a little bit. And she's just like, yeah, they're so gross. And I'm like, oh my God, you sound so <laughs> bad right now. She's like, what? It's gross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you know, it's gross. Yeah. 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 Uh, I know there's a couple words that um, when I say them, I'm like, God damn, I sound like that guy. Gross being one. You don't have, you don't have a lot of that accent, man. But, you don't have a lot of that northerners. But there are like, bits and pieces. And, and I had a uh, my my dad's mom before she passed away. When she would talk, like everything it was like up north. It was very <laughs> up north. Yeah, yeah. up north or no? That's, I mean, oh, so when I'm, t- I, when I'm I, Texan, man. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, so when I landscape, no, I'm like, Texan, so I'm kind of the same thing. I'll, I'll hear words come out once in a while. It's like, sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what uh, I gotta say is so interesting. When I landscaped, we'd always had this joke about going to get a soda. Are you going to go get a soda mm. or no? Because the or no is big <laughs> around here. Like or you, no. You yeah. gonna, are you going to do that or no? <laughs> or uh, Nice. Right, I'll, have to, I'll have to remember that. Right quick. Are you going to do uh, just go, go do that there right quick? Have you seen oh, the yeah, down here it yet? No, I haven't. Uh, some like, comedian does like these minute-long uh, YouTube videos called Manitowoc Minute making fun of the way people live. And Manitowoc is the... This the first city like north of Sheboygan where I grew up. So okay, it's even funnier. Plus the whole Stephen Avery murdered that lady in there. That guy. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's good for a laugh. Did you watch Making a Murderer? <laughs> uh, I watched two episodes of it. Okay. So it, are, you ever plan on finishing it? I'm not gonna like ruin it. You know what happened, but. Yeah. No, I didn't watch the rest of it. All right. So there's the uh, totally. The, the where they hold totally fucking did it. the kid. Oh, I'm sure he did. Um, I used to deliver chicken wings while he was being held there. To nice, the, the, yeah. The juvenile correction facility is kind of weird when I saw that. I was like, oh, that's fucked up. All right, let's, <laughs> let's, let's fucking rate this so I can go. All right, all uh, right. So Who goes first? Uh, you have to go first. You're the esteemed guest. So zero to five, and you can give a brief explanation or don't. I don't really care anymore. Okay, man, God, so nihilistic over there. Um, I am going to give. I'm going to give it a three, um, which is you know. Like, can we do halves? Yeah, is that allowed? We do half and quarter. Okay. Who shit? Uh, I'm going to go three and a half. Um, it's just there. I have. It's impossible for me to separate my enjoyment of a film from the reverence from Mel Brooks and how entertaining I find, I find that style of humor, especially as a younger man and how much that shaped my rhythm and timing of humor. Like it did everybody else. Um, I think it, what pushes it up in easily into the upper half is that, like I said, his selection for shots is amazing. Um, there's unapologetic working for the joke. I love that. I love the unapologetic nature of it. I love that it's not played with any hint of sarcasm or irony, it's played for the jokes. Um, Peter Boyle was fantastic in that, like he was playing the most ridiculous possible thing in that movie, but there was full commitment to it. And I love it. I love that part of it. I mean, the only thing that's going to knock it down for me is just that it's, it's loose on story. It's not like we know the story. It's a classic story. And he was kind of playing with the story more than telling the story. And, you know, it, it just kind of, 
it brings you in and out of it that much. It's not a just like a, I think you I think you were saying like it's not a movie like I'm going to sit and watch intently and like unwrap mm-hmm. or like I'm going to like it's going to it's not going to draw you in. You're going to be able to watch it, get a laugh and not be too connected to it. That's and that's Mel Brooks in general. And then there's no big theme. So, yeah, I mean, three and a three and a half. I'd say it's I'm more than happy walking away with that. Yeah, I, I'm gonna say a lot less words than that. I gave it a three. I, I like that it's just kind of dumb humor that it, it it exists for the sole purpose of being funny, and uh, I don't have to really invest a bunch into it. You can just kind of put it on and it, it, it take it at face value. But that's what I wanted. That's what I. And wanted. there's a place. Like there's a place for that, right? There's mm-hmm. always a place for that in mm-hmm. entertainment. Everything doesn't have to be challenging. Nope, I agree. I agree. All righty. Ah, you can contact us by leaving us a voicemail at 805-328-3966. You can email us at pot at gncast.com. Uh, you can leave a message on the website. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Podcast Terror, although we never update Instagram. Very seldomly Facebook or Twitter. We're pretty much terrible at all social media. Uh, you can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, any of your favorite podcasters. Leave us feedback, please. So I don't have to listen to Corey complain about it. All subscription options and links can be found at gncast.com slash subscribe, and you can follow the entire network under the Galactic Network. Michael Beach, where can people find you and everything you do? Uh, well, first and foremost, you can find uh, my company, my love, at thehate.com, H-V-I-I-I.com. We know all about that. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at beach with nine E's, B-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-C-H. And same on Twitter. Uh, those, are the, those are the primary places to find me. I don't do the Snapchats. I don't do the Facebooks. I don't do any of that, but uh, you, you can find me in those places and, and hit me up. And also, I mean, look, check out the Camo and Hooks podcast. Uh, with these, uh, we're happy to be friends of this show. We're very thrilled about that. Uh, we consider it an honor to even be mentioned. Yeah. So, um, yeah, look look up that podcast. Listen to it after you listen to Podcast of Terror. Um, you have to listen to Podcast of Terror first, and then you, if you have time, you can listen <laughs> to ours. Time. After three hours of listening to Corey and I tell dick jokes, <laughs> check out Camo and Hooks. <laughs> Where um, we will tell dick jokes yeah, yeah. for 15 minutes. And also, <laughs> as, as you mentioned, Matt has a podcast called Um So. I'm still waiting for yes. an ad from him for that one, so that may never happen. Oh, um, Matthew. I know. He said he would do it next week, which was two weeks ago. That guy. Yeah. I'm going to give him a stern talking to. Yeah, whatever. Not really. Yeah, don't, don't, don't waste the time. <laughs> <laughs> I got, I, just know, saying it to make you feel better. I'm sorry. Don't, don't, don't. I'm a liar. I got I got drunk and texted him a bunch last night. And I'm like, oh man, I did it again. But <laughs> he's, okay, he's not an ex, man. Or is he? I, I don't want. I don't want to speak out of turn. I mean, no. I wouldn't be upset if he was my ex boyfriend. No. Things got, things got crazy in Ohio, bro. Uh, are you? <laughs> hey, are you going to Arnold this year? Yeah, we'll be doing it again, man. We'll be at, we'll be at the Arnold in the exact same spot next to Donuts and Deadlifts. So it'll be a good time. All right, cool. I'll try and eat less uh, pre-workouts before I see you. Ain't gonna happen. Uh, you should eat more. <laughs> should I'm going to double my, my pre-workout intake before I see you so that I'm sweating and shaky. You're in the land of free samples, man. Just load up until your heart stops. The, fir- the first year I went, I was like, ooh, let's not get out of control here. And the next year, I was like, fuck it. Take it all. I'll, I'll sift through it later. <laughs> All the cancers. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, you can find Corey at Don't Ask Comics, and uh, I he, his wife does art. I don't know which one he wanted to push this week, but uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram and uh, untapped at Mantle Lifeguard. So that's going to do it. Uh, next week, we're gonna, we have Glenn Rubenstein coming back, which uh, is a guy that you should 
speech you should talk to about ads on your podcast. Um, nice. We're well. going to talk about the movie Green Room, which Matt actually brought up. I can't get away from <laughs> you two. Everything comes full circle to you two assholes. Big gravity. Yeah, there are worse things in life. But uh, yeah, that's going to do it for another episode of the podcast there. Thank you guys for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Stay scary, everybody. Bye.